My voice was much better than last week, but still I have this nagging cough that I hear some of you have too. It's going around. Ephesians chapter 4 is the place we need to be today. That's where God gives us the message. Excuse me. As we look here, it really fits well with last week. Last week, it's, it's, if you weren't here last week, I really do think it's one of those messages that everyone needs to hear. We need to be constantly reminded of this. So if you weren't here last week and you want to go and listen to it, just get online. Um, and it's, the, the sermons are recorded there, so you'll find them under podcast, I think. So please, uh, please do that. The essence of the lesson was that this uh, new covenant that we have in Christ is one defined in chapter 3, verse 18 of 2 Corinthians, which says that, um, that we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness or into the image of Christ um, from glory unto glory. So it, it's, we're, we're increasing in the, in the likeness of Christ, and it's God who does this, which comes from God who is the Spirit. So God's at work in us. He's changing us, transforming us. And for us to be able to, to, to let that happen is because we really have to see Jesus. If we're not allowing ourselves to be transformed into the image of Christ, it's probably an indication you've, that we've never really seen him. Because once you kept, catch a glimpse of the beauty of Christ, you, you have an affection for that, and the affections for the world fall away. So it was a reminder. We've got to put those affections for the thing, things of the world behind, open our hearts wide to Jesus, and just cling to him and be transformed into his likeness. The beginning of Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3, it relates to that because it says in Christ. And it talks about all these blessings in Christ. And they're really all these wonderful things that have been done for us in Christ. So we give our lives to him. We submit to him. And then he goes to work. And he changes us and blesses us. And he fills us to overflowing. And it's stuff for this life. We're being changed in this life. <clears throat> And I think that's a fair summary of Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3. So then we get to chapter 4, and it says, therefore. So here is the call to us, and I think this is a further call uh, along the, the same lines of how, how we can, instead of living for the flesh or living for the things of the world, how can we actually be transformed um, in, in such a manner that, that in my spirit I am serving God and living for God and clinging to God and loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything that I am serves Him and loves Him. And this is a passage that kind of speaks to that. How can we have less of self and more of Jesus? So in Ephesians chapter 1, I want to, at chapter 4, verse number. One, Ephesians 4, 1. It says, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. 
And first of all, I want to, I want to point out this, this phrase that Paul uses for himself, and he even used the, the, the idea in the beginning of chapter 3. He says, I, the prisoner, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of you Gentiles. He is actually a prisoner at this time. He is in chains because of the gospel, because he shares the truth about Jesus. He is in jail. He's imprisoned. But he doesn't say, therefore, I, a prisoner of the Roman Empire, therefore, I, a prisoner of Caesar Augustus, or therefore, I, a prisoner of whoever his, his guard is. He says, I, a prisoner of the Lord. And I want to just pause here with this very word. I want to encourage you to be a prisoner of the Lord. There's so many things in this life that they feel like, well, what, if I ask what are you a prisoner to, man, there are so many things that get us in this life. And life deals harshly with us. And life can get us down. Um, but we can't let those things dictate who we are. Paul didn't let the fact that he was a prisoner and in chains and in the custody of some worldly power He didn't let that determine who he was. He said, I am a prisoner of the Lord. So Paul didn't let the world or circumstances define him. He was a prisoner of Jesus. He was going to do the bidding of Jesus. He belonged to Jesus. Boys, thank you. He belonged to Jesus. And I put in this little quote, bloom where you're planted. Here was, here is Paul. He's in jail and he's doing everything while he is there to bear fruit for Jesus. He was going to be Jesus no matter where he was. He was going to bloom at where he was planted. He was going to share the light of Christ. He was going to be the salt of the world. He was going to share Jesus. Don't let your circumstances define you. Be a prisoner of the Lord. And and whatever circumstances you find yourself in therewith to rejoice, that is where God can use you. So don't make excuses for this life. And that goes, you know, and that's what the essence of the last, last week was, is, you know, we see Jesus, we love him, hold on to him, and we become like him. That's the calling with which we have been called is to become like Christ. Let God transform us and change us into his image. And if that's not happening, you can make excuses all the day long. But God doesn't care about your excuses. What you think of as excuses, they do not excuse you. We don't use that term excuses very well because we use it as just kind of lame excuses. All of our excuses are lame excuses when it comes to God. God says, bloom where you're planted. Wherever I put you, rejoice. Wherever you are, live for my glory. Be like Jesus wherever you are. And actually, the the harder and more difficult things are, the more opportunity there is for you to shine the light of Christ. When you're weak, then you are strong. Okay, so be a prisoner of the Lord. Don't let your circumstances bring you down. No matter what the circumstances, shine the light of Christ. Okay, and number, the second thing, in that, um, 
in that passage, Paul says, I implore you. So first of all, he had some urging. There is a, there is a call. We don't just suddenly know Jesus and then we're instantly just kind of changed into his image and it just kind of happens. We need people to encourage us along the way to become what Jesus wants us to be. He says, I implore you to walk. Notice the imagery of life here and how we live isn't to sit. It is to walk. In this life, we are moving. In this life, we are doing. In this life, if anything else you could add to it, we are we're running this race, right? It is active, progression, moving. So when we see Jesus, we don't just say, all right, now I see Jesus and God says, I'm going to cha- change you and transform you into his likeness. And, and so, we, oh, that's, that's cool. So God, go to work. You know, it's, it's not that. This life that we have in Christ Jesus involves us walking and pushing through the difficult times. It's us being active and moving and doing and learning and growing. We need to make progress. So we continue on then. He said, so therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Okay, so here's the calling. I just equated it simply that you see Jesus. This is the most general calling that we all have is that we see Jesus and we follow him and we do what he does. That's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. That's what it means to be a believer. And while we're doing that, God's at work in us, making us more and more like Jesus. That's the calling. So he's going to go on to describe the manner with which we need to be doing this, following Jesus, living up to our calling. It's not just simply, oh, yeah, one day I got baptized. Now I'm a believer, and I've got a home ready for me in heaven, you know, and someday I'm going to go there. And in the meantime, I'm just going to live life like everybody else does, and I'm going to go to church on Sunday, and I'm going to warm up the pew, and I'm going to sing a couple songs, and I might say a prayer even before I eat a meal. And it's, it's not, that is not the Christian life. That's the, not the manner that we have been called to. So here, I'm going to continue on with verse number two and use that to really highlight the Uh, the majority of this lesson today, the manner to which we have been called. This is describing how we should walk. This is describing what we are called to. This is describing how we can be like Jesus. This is the attitude and the mindset and the lifestyle that we should have if we're going to be like Jesus. Because in these next words, we're going to see very much these are Jesus things. So let us do... These things. So, chapter 4, verse 2 in Ephesians. With all humility and gentleness, with all patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. And then, verse 3, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So, here's how we are to walk, how we are to live. First of all, With all humility and gentleness. Some very closely related words. But humility dealing more with an attitude. And then gentleness is, um, shall I say, being gentle, right? We know what that's like, how we treat others. The first one is an attitude towards God and towards self. Humility, excuse me, God and others. Having an attitude of humility. 
It's a humble mindset. It's thoughtful of, of others and God in the way that we should be. It is, as it says on the outline here, humility is this, uh, another word for it is lowliness. Lowliness. And as I point out here, this was viewed very negatively outside of Judaism. So the Roman or the Greek world, however you want to consider it, the idea of being lowly um, was very different. Now we, we talk about humility. Oh, he's a very humble person. We, when you, whenever, anybody, you talk about humility, most people think, when you hear somebody say, oh, he's a very humble person. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a great attribute, right? But this, in this mindset that they had back then, if somebody said to be uh, this idea of humility or lowliness, um, it, it equated more with, well, you're being a slave, um, you're very mean or, or lowly, you're at the bottom of the, the society, you know, you're, you're some of the dredges of society, you are the low. That's why when, when Jesus often elevated children, Jesus said, you know, this, he, he was, children were looked at very lowly back then, more like property. Women were looked at very lowly and looked at as property. And Jesus comes along and he says, no, you've got to become like the low. You've got to become like those lower ones of society. Jesus lifted up children, held them up by doing that. He was holding up women, elevating them, loving them. Not saying you are down here and I am up here. No, he said you have to humble yourself like them. You have to think of others first. So this idea of lowliness or humbleness and humility, it was a very negative connotation in the society back then, aside from the Jews, because the Jews always learned to humble themselves before God. Um, but, it, but humbleness and humility, it is the proper attitude that we should have. When we pray, what do we do? Well, we do a, a few things, right? But one of the things we do is we... Bow our heads. It's a sign of humility. Lowering ourselves before God. The other thing with prayer, you might think of people going to their knees and praying. Lowliness before God. Bowing before God. When somebody comes before a king, they would bow down. It's honoring the one who is greater. And much like the Greek society back then, the idea of humbleness, though we can... um, um, kind of exalt those who we think of as humble and we say it's a good attribute. Most of us in our souls, in our spirits, in our, in our flesh, we don't want to bow to anyone. It's like my um, mother telling me to do my homework when I was a little kid. Um, okay, the, the one with authority says to do something. Did I bow to that? Did I honor that and do that? Now, often I would say, I will, just a, just a minute, I'm almost done watching this or doing that. Instead of responding as I should have with, yes, ma'am. So we often have this uh, uh, bit of our soul or bit of our being that says, you know, you can be somebody and you should have people bowing down to you instead of you bowing down to others. Don't be humble. But that one of the essences of Christianity is this, with all humility. 
with all humility. So when you approach God, you approach him humbly. You remember he is the great one. And man, when we come to this table every Sunday, it's a reminder that the great God and creator of this universe came down here and he humbled himself. He humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. That is humility. And if Jesus is going to humble himself, then we also ought to humble ourselves. So keep in mind, this is, this is the very basic thought. You know, if there's anything that makes Jesus Jesus, sets him apart from every other religion, is that God humbles himself. God humbled himself for us. And that is an amazing feat. And so if we look to Jesus and we see him humbling himself, then we also ought to have this idea of humility. We, we heard it said this morning that Jesus died for the sins of the world. That's what we heard at this table. The sins for all of the world. This, he died for the sins of every sinner, even the people that, that sin horribly. Jesus went to the cross. He died for them. So if Jesus humbled himself to that point for those folks, how should I act towards my brothers and sisters in Christ? How should I act and behave towards those who are outside of Christ? Jesus died for them. He humbled himself to the point of death on the cross for everyone to save everyone. I must also have humility and gentleness. So, Becoming like Jesus, being transformed into his image. Step number one is to walk and to walk with all humility. All humility. Don't put yourself first. Put others first. Put God first. That's the attitude we should have. And when we're putting others first, gentleness is, um, gentleness is key. With all humility and gentleness. So let's treat others always with gentility. And I remind myself, even the guy in the other car. (laughs) That's where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? Man, it's a lot of times people that, you know, and in this day and age of uh, being anonymous, everybody can go online and type something to tell somebody else what they got wrong. And there's Jesus watching. <laughs> and Jesus is telling us, do, you know, act with humility. Put others first. Be gentle with your words. Be gentle with your actions. Don't be, you know, Jesus is our model. Christ, the one who went on the cross for us, he's our model. Let us treat others with humility and gentleness. Young people, the habits you create now, the things that you start doing now and how you treat others, that's how you're going to be acting the rest of your life. So create good habits now. Have humility, have gentleness towards others. Continuing on with that that phrase then in verse number two, he says, with patience showing tolerance for one another in love. And so whenever you hear this idea of one another, We say, all right, this is super important for the church. This is all if the church is going to get along. 
And it is important for us. With patience. Patience. Um, uh, A definition that was given for patience is, and, and I didn't write this up, I don't know. Jerry shared this with me from somebody else, unless Jerry wrote it, I don't know. But an active endurance of opposition, not a passive resignation. So when we think about patience, when, you know, be patient, be patient, we kind of think, oh, be patient, you know, and we sit back and we start twiddling our thumbs and I'm going to be patient and I just got to have a little bit of self-control in the meantime, but I'm going to wait And that's not the full picture. Patience is an active endurance. It doesn't say stop walking. God never wants us to stay to stop walking, to stop doing, to stop growing, and to stop learning. And He never wants us to stop helping others. But sometimes it can be difficult. Sometimes dealing with others, it can be difficult. And so we need to be patient, have an active endurance, kind of all right. I'm going to I'm going to bear under this for a little while. You guys have to bear with me for a little while. I have to bear with my voice right now while it's not working like I want it to exactly. It's just life is difficult. People are difficult. We're difficult. Endure one another patiently. So it's there's some opposition to us in life, but don't just resign. You know, you might have a brother or sister in Christ you, you, it's harder to get along with. Don't say, well, I don't get along with them. They can sit over there and I'll sit way back there. You know, it's, don't do that. It's not what Jesus would do. You know what? It's a little bit hard for Jesus to get along with you sometimes. But he doesn't turn his back on you and stay away from you. He draws in close and he builds that relationship. And that's what we must do towards one another because that's what Jesus does for us. That's what Jesus does for me. An active endurance of of opposition, not a passive resignation. So the passiveness is just standing back, being aloof, and saying, forget it. That's not patience. This is an attitude that God has towards us, which we must have towards others. Patience, endurance. Along with patient endurance is showing tolerance. Very much a closely related word. But here is, here is the idea of bearing with others' weaknesses, bearing with their differences, bearing with injuries that they might cause us. Sometimes we hurt each other's feelings, don't we? We don't even mean to. Sometimes we don't even know that we stepped on somebody's feelings. But, some, but that's what happens. We need to show tolerance for one another. Sometimes we have differences of opinions about even Scripture itself. And sometimes we can show tolerance with those things. But then there can come a time, too, um, that is probably reflected best later on in this passage in verse um, verse, uh, 14 is what I was going to say. Fifteen, but speaking the truth in love. We still address truth to one another. And if somebody is strained from Scripture, we don't just say, that jerk, let them go. They need to get out of here. No, we come to one another and we work together and we bear with one another. We try and help each other in the truth. And we pray that we can all agree to that truth. Sometimes we 
can agree to some things that are very important truths, and we might have to, uh, to, to tell somebody if they're teaching falsely. But in the meantime, we show tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. We bear with each other. We help each other. But we're going to see later on, but the agenda is to help each other grow. And if we're humble, gentle, and with patience, showing tolerance for one another and love, we can achieve these things. We can do these things. We've got to have all of these things be a part of who we are because that's how Christ is with us. Now, a love, agape, agape love, God's love. Um, it's just that's the best definition of agape is God's love, right? And if you want to think of how it was best demonstrated and who's what God's love is, it was demonstrated in the sacrifice of His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross for sinners, for those who were rebelling against God. At the right time, Jesus died for the ungodly, and so if Jesus went to the cross for those who were opposed to Him rejected him, were living for themselves instead of obeying him, then we also ought to be um, going to the cross, living a life that is sacrificial and enduring and bearing with others who are uh, turning against God or, or being very difficult also. That's the love of God, is that we're committed to loving others, committed to putting others first. Committed to wanting their best, committed to making sure that they um, know the truth, speaking the truth in love. The truth is of vital importance. And then, continuing on, if you're going to actually hear me crunching this, I apologize. I hope you'll bear with me. Show a little tolerance for a second, and I'll get this thing swallowed and out of the way. Verse Three. We already read this, but being diligent, being diligent, just that verse there, those couple of words, you might also have be eager, be zealous. And, and this makes me hearken back to, well, in the, even the root word itself is kind of like make haste, hurry up, make speed. If you look at the Greek word, it, it's, it has SP and a D in it. It's, I think it's where we probably got the word speed from. Speed, it's not, you know, it, it, it's, it's work, it's effort, it's, it's give your all to this. And that's what Jesus calls us to. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Give it your all. Make haste in this. Be diligent. Think about the word up in, in verse number one. I implore you. You've got to give yourself to this. So be diligent. Be eager to this. It's when, when you see Jesus, the things of the world kind of can take their place. You know, we love this time of the year when we can give stuff and receive stuff and stuff, stuff, stuff. It's all, you know. But that stuff compared to Jesus, it's just stuff. Our heart's not open wide to stuff. Our heart's open wide to Christ. Our heart, let our hearts be open wide to one another. This is where we want to be. Where, where else are people today? You know, tailgating early in the morning for football games, just finding a day to sleep in, whatever. You know, there's all kinds of things that go on. But our affection's for God, not things, not stuff. 
So be diligent. Be diligent for what? For God, of course. But be diligent specifically here. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So all of this, we've been talking about being transformed into the image of Christ. And part of what he's saying here then is really, you know, if you want to be like Christ, then you're going to love one another, be unified with one another. If you, uh, <clears throat> if you have a day in your life when you became united with Christ, in baptism, right? That's what happens. We become one with Christ in baptism, well, if we all become one with Christ, therefore we're all one with one another. One. One, one, one. And we've got to preserve that unity of the Spirit. We need to have a spirit of unity here. We need to have the Spirit of Christ. This is something that we need to work hard to, to have. And it doesn't just happen. We need to be diligent for it. And that's... Uh, Told somebody the other day, you know, we I've actually I use this phrase a lot. We we keep things simple here so we can get along. It's easiest to have unity when we just simply follow the word of God and live like Jesus. Let us preserve that spirit. Let's have a bond of peace. Let's have a bond that is a bond that pulls us together. And if you have your affection for Christ, you will also have an affection for one another. So the last few things there, then I hope you'll take those things very seriously. And I, I implore you to walk in the manner worthy of the, man, of the calling with which you have been called. To be like Jesus and to have a spirit of unity with the church here. I hope you'll take that very seriously. And just the rest of this chapter kind of highlights that too, I think. Um, from chapter 4, and just finishing up the outline here at the bottom. Chapter 4, verses 4 through 6 says, we are one with God and one another. There is one, and that's the list of the ones. One Lord, one faith, one body, one, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And I probably didn't name them all, but, um, but one. It's unity. God's one. We're united with Him. We're one with Him, and we're one with one another. Unity, unity, unity. So that's verses 4 through 6. On down uh, verses 11 through 13 to summarize that is that everyone should serve to build up. So we use the, this, this idea of serve, and it's in the title, serve God in your spirit. When you become like Christ, you're going to serve God in your spirit. You're not serving the flesh anymore. So when you are serving God in your spirit, living God, for God in your spirit, you, you're a prisoner of Jesus. Then you are going to serve to build up the body of Christ. That's the church. Build up the body of Christ. Build up one another. We're all called to that. We're all called to use our gifts to build up the body of Christ so that everyone can look like Jesus. We're trying to be transformed into the image of Christ. We need to work towards that. Verses 11 through 13. And then in verses 14 through 16, I will say this, to work properly. For the body, for the church to work properly... Every part of the body must be connected to the head, which is Christ. So again, look to Jesus. Be transformed into his image. Jesus who died for others. Follow his example. If we remain connected to the head, we will act and walk like we ought to. 
um, there are uh, different uh, ailments that go on into our fleshly bodies. One of them is cerebral palsy, where the, the mind is, is fine, but it can't communicate with the rest of the body, and the rest of the body parts don't work right, and they can't work in unison. And so the arm, it, can't, it fights against the things that the, the mind might want that arm to do. Um, Alan Crumey was somebody that some folks might remember. He'd come up uh, in the wheelchair, and he's, he's still out in California. The mind is working great, but his, his body and those, the function of his body parts, he doesn't walk at all anymore. At one point in time, he used to be able to walk in very uh, poorly, but it's, uh, I hope I'm not getting that wrong. Yeah, that's Charity's nephew. So these things, um, they ail the body, and the body can't work, but the mind's all right. Same way with Christ. If we don't, you know, Christ, there's nothing wrong with Jesus. But if we don't stay connected with Christ, this body's not going to function together. It's not going to work. So let's stay connected with Christ. Keep communicating with Jesus and be one with one another. Work at that very much. And I hope if you get a chance, look at these other verses, chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, and chapter 4, verse number 32, they relate very much to the um, topic we've been talking about, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, have a very direct connection to some of the things I wanted to highlight here. But the challenge to everybody, the challenge to us, to me, and to you, is to serve God in your spirit, to unify the church, and edify the church. If, if you know, and it's and it's all according to these things. Walk with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Work towards these things. Be diligent. Be dedicated to these things. Be zealous for them. Give your life to Jesus and serve God in this way. And for anybody, if you're, you're here today and you're not a Christian, I encourage you to use the words from some of the verses here is to humble yourself before God, making him your master. Become a slave, become a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and then serve him and others in your spirit. So be dedicated. Look to Jesus. Do what he did. That's, that's the lesson today, isn't it? And do it well. Be zealous for it. Give your life to him. If there's anybody who needs to give your life to Jesus today, we'll help you to do that. We'll tell you how. We'll turn to scriptures and point to you in the right direction for what you must do to make Jesus your all in all. If you need to come to him today, won't you please stand? Come now as we stand together and sing. Have thine affection.